0: Well, hello, and welcome to Sips and Sensibility, a podcast where three best friends from college talk about Jane Austen adaptations. This season, we're discussing Austen adjacent films. I'm Julia. I'm Beth.
1: And I'm Lori.
0: Today, we're discussing becoming Jane. You can watch this film on Amazon Prime with a free Cinemax trial. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Sips and Sensibility Pod and give us a like on Facebook. Also, remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We love to hear your thoughts. But before we discuss this amazing film, I gotta know, ladies,
2: what you sipping? Well, I am drinking another hot beverage this week. Mm. I have got myself a classic Earl Grey Supreme tea from Harney and Sons. It's really delicious, and it's got great knits of lavender in it. And I've already had quite a bit of it, so I may (laughs) have to have Ben make me another cup or recording. I'm I'm doing pretty well on this Thursday evening. About to go on vacation. Going to be off of work for nine days, and it's what I need, and I'm really looking forward to it
0: what about you julia well i have something really fun that i'm drinking today i'm also drinking tea and it's a tea that one of our listeners recommended through the podcast it's berries tea from ireland and it's the gold blend so it's a black tea and i'm enjoying it so far i'm drinking it straight with just a little bit of sugar and it's good Some other exciting news that I have is that we have a little Sips and Sensibility baby. That makes it sound like it's one of our babies. It's it's not. (laughs) My sister had a baby yesterday, Charlotte Grace Wilson. So we have a little Jane Austen name in there, and I'm so excited. She's so precious, and I get to go see her this weekend, and I'm just so excited.
1: What are you drinking, Lori? Well, um... To celebrate our Sips baby, I decided, I had to go to Target anyway, did I? Um, But I decided that I was going to have some champagne to celebrate our new baby. Um, So I am drinking one of the mini bottles of Chandon, just the regular Brute. And let me tell you, it has been a long week. I, figured I hear out, that. <laughs> I figured out yesterday that I worked nine straight days without a day off. Mm. And I am quite tired. Let me preface that, or not preface that. Let me explain that by saying I attended a conference. It was a virtual conference, but I was also kind of working at the same time, kind of not. So I just, a lot has happened in nine days, and I'm quite tired.
0: Also, I'm just so excited to tell Charlotte when she's older that the day after she was born, my friends were popping bottles to celebrate little Charlie
2: Grace. That'll be so fun. Such a sweet memory. I love this baby. (laughs) Well, I know our feelings about becoming Jane cannot match our love for baby Charlotte and her arrival, but why don't y'all tell me a little bit about how you felt about becoming Jane?
1: I liked it. I thought it was really sweet. Um, I almost cried a little bit. I know we did receive a very teary Snapchat from one of our uh, other co-hosts. Um, But yeah, I, I almost cried there at one point and I was like, no, no, I must hold it in. So I just, oh gosh,
0: I love this movie. I think this was your first time, Lori, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was... My second or third time, I believe, and the first time that I saw this movie, I did not know how it was going to end. This time, I did, but it still hit me just as hard. This movie is just so beautiful and so emotional. And as Lori alluded to at the end of the movie, <laughs> I was just weeping tears just in a constant flow down my face and I was watching this movie with my husband and he, he turned to me because the credits have been rolling for like two minutes and I hadn't said anything and he just like looked down and he was like oh my gosh you're crying he's like I didn't know because you weren't making any noise and I was just sitting there with the tears flowing so I sent the girls a
2: little video to show them how very merry. of me
1: dripping.
2: <laughs> yeah I watched this with Ben and I have seen it several times before I have the dvd I think I have like two copies of the dvd but The first time I watched it was right when it came out. And I remember being devastated. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about why. But I just sobbed and sobbed. And so I really liked watching it through Ben's eyes as he as it hit the emotional notes and like things kept happening. Because this is a really sad movie. It doesn't have a great like a happy ending by any means. So as it hit those emotional notes, I liked watching his reactions a lot. It's funny. I feel like this
0: is one of the few movies that reaches the level of sadness that I felt when I watched Titanic for the first time. <laughs> yes. That movie, Yeah. oh gosh. Then also there was one time I watched Sense and Sensibility where I also, I, I was uh, kind of a little bit of a Willoughby stan at that point in my life. In my younger days, that movie has also made me weep
2: like this. So
0: <laughs> Sense and Sensibility, Becoming Jane, and Titanic.
2: Yeah, this and Titanic were hard sobs mm-hmm. for me bawling my eyes out for sure this movie had a pretty good reception by audiences and the rotten tomatoes audience score is a 74 percent, and it has a 7 out of 10 stars on imdb now critics did only give this 58 percent on rotten tomatoes and i was shocked by that like ben pulled it up during the middle of the movie and he was like 58 this deserves better than 58 that's precious i know I feel like you might have thoughts on this I do because
0: I was actually looking at some of the critics reviews today and it seems like a lot of them have to do with uh, the critics being upset about some historical inaccuracies Mm, and this movie is also based on a book and the movie takes some liberties that the book does not take one thing I did want to point out though is even though critics didn't like this movie apparently Jane Austen's House, The museum of Jane Austen's house credits this movie with increasing their visits exponentially, which I thought was so cool. Oh, wow. This movie, and I believe
2: Miss Austen Regrets, really boosted their visitation, which is super great. I'm sure it brings new people to Austin. I mean, having really big names like Anne Hathaway and James McAvoy and Dame Maggie Smith, like it has a lot of really famous people in it. And a lot of times that can draw people into a new world, like uh, drawing them into Austin, whereas they may not have been interested in her work before. And I think maybe one thing that might have happened was that casual fans just got much more
0: interested in the life of the author herself. Because I know there's so many people that Mm -hmm. just like love Pride and Prejudice, but maybe don't know as much about Jane Austen. I know when I first saw this movie, I was one of those people. So I think that might have been part of what it was too. But either way, I think that's just such a wonderful legacy that this movie can leave behind.
2: Well, let's get into it. Let's talk about just what Becoming Jane does and what it tells us about Jane Austen's life. Whether or not it is true or untrue, this is what the movie has to tell us. So the movie follows, again, the cast of characters from Jane Austen's life, mainly her family, their friends and neighbors, and people that they meet along the way. Jane is at the beginning of her career as an author. She's just started writing some books. We actually see her working on Pride and Prejudice during this film. We find out that her sister, Cassandra, is actually engaged to be married. If you listened to the last episode, you will know why this is sad. Um, (laughs) So her sister, Cassandra, is actually engaged to be married, and... um, They're talking a lot about marriage and her brother Henry, that he might get married and whether or not Jane is going to get married. And throughout the film, Jane receives several proposals. Um, The first is from a very wealthy neighbor whose name is Mr. Whistley. He proposes to Jane and her family really, really wants her to marry him. But
0: I just got to say, I feel like Mr. Whistley's personality is exactly what you would expect From someone named Mr. (laughs) Weasley.
1: That's so true. Yeah, I definitely thought his name was Weasley for a second. You just see um, Dame Maggie Smith right there, and my mind just went to Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. Fun fact, Jane's mom, who is urging
2: her to marry Mr. Weasley, is actually played by the same lady who plays... Molly Weasley in the Harry Potter films. Her
0: mothering style is just a bit
2: different from Molly's though. (laughs) (laughs) Just a tad. Very true. So Jane is not sure what to say to Mr. Weasley's proposal because she is smitten with a new arrival in town a young lawyer in training, a Mr. Tom Lefroy, Played by the astonishing Irish actor James McAvoy who truly won my heart As a child in the X-Men films. What about Chronicles of Narnia? Oh, uh, Mr. Tumnus. (laughs) Of course. Uh, Anyways, so Jane and Tom have a very, like, Darcy, Elizabeth meet cue at the beginning of the film. They kind of have, like, the enemies to lovers storyline. They have a lot of time together, and eventually they kind of develop feelings for each other. I shouldn't say they kind of. They super develop feelings for each other. And eventually they admit one night that they are in love.
1: And it's so cute. Which, super fun fact. I can't remember if it's the director or the screenwriter. It's one of the two. um, Has stated that he believes Pride and Prejudice was based on this relationship. Like Jane concocted this novel based on her and Tom's relationship. I have
0: some fun evidence to state later on in the episode about that fun fact,
2: Lori. Well, Tom and Jane kiss very passionately. They admit their love to one another, and they decide that they're going to pursue this relationship, even though they are both dirt poor. (laughs) So what do they do? Tom decides that the best course of action is to introduce Jane to his uncle, who is his benefactor. He's a high court judge, and he wants Jane to try and win the affection or just the like approval yeah win the approval of his uncle so they go there along with um her brother Henry and another family friend their cousin as well to try and win his approval well unfortunately a letter arrives that spoils the news before Tom has a chance to tell his uncle and things go very very poorly They get cast out of the house, and Tom is told explicitly not to marry her. It is not going to be good for him if he does. The uncle will not support him. He'll be, like, abandoning his family. It's a whole dramatic and sad time.
0: And in addition to this, he is the judge or lawyer who's training Tom. So not only will he be cut off from his uncle, he'll also be cut off from the prospect to have
2: a job and make money. So it's really bad. Yeah, and he pays Tom's allowance, which allows Tom to support his family. So it really is a huge deal that his uncle does not approve of him marrying the witty author, Jane Austen. Well, Jane and her brother and their cousin return home, and she's really sad. It's just, like, not a good time. And she still hasn't really given Mr. Whistley, like, a straightforward answer. So they're at Whistley's place, having a family meal. Everyone's there, her brother Henry, her sister Cassandra, it's the whole gang. And I turned to Ben and I was like, you already think it's sad. You already think that they're not together. Just wait. So in comes a messenger with a very important message for Mr. Austin. We find out that Cassandra's fiance has died. He went to the West Indies and he died from yellow fever. Super sad. That's why she's not married and Miss Austin regrets. Cue all the tears and an amazing performance. Oh, gosh. Heart-wrenching. Such an amazing performance. Yes. So after this, Jane then finds out that Tom is engaged to someone else. So she accepts Mr. Whistley's proposal. She's just bummed. Everyone is bummed. It is a sad point in the movie. Well, Tom comes into town and he and Jane kind of bump into each other. And they just can't hold back. Their love, their feelings are so strong. They decide again that they have to be together and they'll do whatever it takes. So, of course, they do what any wonderful and love English couple at the time did. They decided to elope to Scotland. So Jane packs up her belongings and they head out on the road, ready to go and get married. Right? That's how it ends, right? Yeah. It's yes. there. It's End like the film.
0: Lydia and Wickham vibes, except like the wholesome edition, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Unfortunately, it's not where the movie ends. Their carriage gets stuck and Jane finds a letter from Tom's family where they're thanking him for supporting him, giving them money and saying they, how they didn't know how they would make it if he wasn't sending them money. This is like kind of a really pivotal moment because Jane is realizing that this is a much bigger sacrifice than him just giving up a job and an allowance. Like his family is going to seriously suffer if they get married. She makes some really good points about what is there to like our love would be stifled by how hard it would be and how miserable everyone around us would be and our family and all of that. And she ultimately decides that it is not in their best interest to get married. She leaves, heads back home, receives marriage proposal number three of the film from the clergyman that her father is training. Which, like, not good timing, my
1: guy. Which, I'm sorry, that came out of left field for me. This guy comes in, didn't even think that this was going to happen. And then he's like, will you marry me? And I was like, "Dude, it's kind of a bad, bad time here. This guy was also a total toll
0: box, by the way, because we find out that the letter that Tom LaFroy's uncle received, basically saying that Jane was a husband seeking hussy or whatever, came from this guy, so he ruined Jane's happiness, so it's not true, love, not at all, and my guy is just the worst.
1: Rude,
2: was not a fan of him. So super bad timing, found out that he wrote the letter, Jane is mad, Jane is sad, and we are sad for Jane. Then The movie flashes forward a ton, we see Henry get married, and we see Cassandra and Jane remain single women. At the very end of the film, um, Jane and some of her family members are attending a concert, and from a distance, she sees Tom. Obviously, a lot of time has passed. They, like, aged them. So I think it's supposed to be probably 20 years or something in the future. Henry goes and chases Tom down, and he brings him back, and there is a young girl with him. And it is revealed that this young girl is a huge fan of Jane's. She loves her work, even though Jane is the anonymous author. She knows who she is. And Tom addresses his daughter by name, and it's revealed that he named his daughter Jane. Such a sweet and tender moment. Uh, all the tears. This is where the waterworks really kicked in for me, and that's pretty much it. That's the film. Get some text on screen about what kind of happened to them and how Jane. It's a Jane Austen wrote six of the greatest novels in the English language, and I loved that part. So that part true. made me more teary this time than like anything else. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, me too. That's yeah. becoming Jane. That's the movie. I really loved it. <laughs> It was so good
1: it's so good it's so good also one thing that we
0: just haven't even mentioned yet is that this is just a beautiful movie aside from the plot it's shot so beautifully the sets are gorgeous the cinematography is gorgeous there's this one scene where something sad's happening you flash on sad jane and then it kind of like zooms out and refocuses onto like a window pane with rain hitting it the songs are beautiful you have these great orchestral pieces like Oh, gosh, it's just so beautiful. I was really surprised that it didn't really win any, like, super notable awards, honestly.
1: There's this really cool moment right after Jane and Tom meet where Tom has basically been exiled to go take a walk in the woods. And Jane (laughs) is also, uh, by coincidence, walking in the woods. And the music that they play is just, like, the music following Jane is very graceful and calm-esque and the music following Tom when he's on screen is just like kind of clunky and makes him sound like a doofus mm. and then they kind of like wind together when they like meet and it's it's really cool they do some really interesting things with music.
2: I yeah I absolutely loved pretty much everything about this except I just wish it was just a story independent of real life and it wasn't trying to be real life or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Because um, the story is so good and the movie is so beautiful. Like you guys are saying, the soundtrack is incredible. The shots were incredible. Some of the like choices that they made, um, specifically in the scene where Cassandra finds out that her fiance has died. <sighs> mm-hmm. The shot choices they made there, I was just like stunned by. I really loved it. And the camera movement and the cuts between scenes, mm-hmm. it just all worked together really, really well. And besides the fact that this story-wise is so similar to Pride and Prejudice, it really did remind me of the 2005 Prejudice. There was such great attention to detail, and it was so aesthetically pleasing. It was just so beautiful in a way that I was really disappointed by the Miss Austin Regrets film, how that was handled. Um, I loved it. I mean, it felt like it could be an Austin novel to me.
1: I definitely... Got 2005 Pride and Prejudice vibes, like very strong. The opening sequence is Jane writing this letter for her sister um, and her fiance's quasi engagement party, I guess, um, or his leaving party. And she's doing that and softly playing the piano. And it's just kind of sweeping shots of the house at parts and like shots of her writing the letter. And I got very strong, like opening sequence, Jane walking along, reading the page, and oh, so good. I also thought it was funny that in both of those
0: scenes, there's kind of an element of, you know, the romantic, idyllic Regency era lifestyle, but then you also get shots of some things that hint that they live in uh, some amount of poverty. And in both, you kind of see, like, the farm surrounding and, like, the mud and the dirt or whatever. And in both scenes, I don't remember if it's in the opening sequence, but there's, like, a very controversial scene in the 2005 Friend of Predators where a pig walks through the house and you just see, like, the pig's butt and people hate it. And in this scene, there was a scene of a pig nursing a bunch of piglets. And I was like, huh, that's funny. Like, (laughs) um,
1: Reality. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But that was just a little... A little side note, I also wanted to mention, I haven't seen this, but I read that the first kiss between Jane and Lefoy, LeFroy is possibly very intentionally mirroring a kiss between Darcy and Elizabeth in the 95 PNP, which I haven't seen, so I can't speak to that, but I thought that was interesting for those of you who have seen that.
1: I would need a refresher, but I would believe it. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Julia, do you want to tell us all about the characters
2: I mean, I already kind of spoiled who I like and who Mm. plays who, but (laughs) I still want to hear more about them. Beth, absolutely I do. So, our dear Jane
0: is played by the one and only Anne Hathaway, who I learned recently is actually very controversial. Apparently, a lot of you guys don't like her but yes, i am what? people don't like her I, know. I love her like i really don't like her but i love Anne hathaway i grew up with princess diaries so she's an icon mm-hmm. to me Anne plays our dear jane and beth pretty much outlined her story but one a couple of notes that are just really interesting this movie is similar like miss austin regrets to shakespeare in love in that you get to see possibly some of the inspiration for her novels this movie I feel like really specifically does focus on Pride and Prejudice and I loved getting to see that so we kind of get a journey into the beginning stages of Jane's writing and maybe her her inspiration we also see a little bit of her um relationship with her brother Henry who appears in this film but he's at a much younger age than he was in Miss Austin Regrets and um Henry's relationship with his cousin, Eliza, who is a French countess whose husband was killed in the French Revolution, which is interesting. Madame la guillotine. Yes, that's how she keeps referring to it. But aside from Jane's inspiration for Pride and Prejudice, we also get to see her relationship with Tom Lefroy. And one thing that I thought was really cool was seeing how Tom influenced her writing because one thing that happens in this film is that the first time the way the Darcy and Elizabeth-esque Jane and Tom interaction happens is that Jane is reading to her family aloud which she did in real life quite often and Tom comes in and like is bored to death (laughs) and Jane gets really offended and there's a really funny scene where he's trying to walk with her in the woods And he's asking Jane if she's been offended. And she says, like, not at all, in like a very high-pitched voice, clearly offended. And I was like, yeah, that's me. I get that. (laughs) Um, But later on, Tom recommends that Jane read this novel, Tom Jones by Henry Fielding. And that is a book that both Tom and Jane actually did read in their real lives. It was kind of a scandalous novel. And basically... Tom LeFroy was ty- trying to tell Jane that she needed to open her eyes to the world. She needed to be a little more worldly. It was a very interesting scene. I got very, like, very seductive vibes. He even read some bug yeah. porn from a book about the woods. It was
2: really weird. <sighs> Sexual awakening a little
0: bit. It, okay, you guys, just as a tangent, this reminded me of an SNL skit <laughs> about how... <laughs> from SNL, Just don't watch it, it's horrible, about how Mr. Tumnus was like a bunch of girls' <laughs> sexual awakening. Yeah. And I couldn't help but think about that the whole oh time because Tom LaFoy was putting on like big seductive moves. But anyway, <laughs> so that's the story of Anne Hathaway's Jane Austen. It doesn't end there. We know how it ends. But what do you guys think of Anne Hathaway's
2: Jane? I have such a strong opinion about this. Number one, I really, really like Anne Hathaway. Look, has she made some bad choices recently? Yes. Witches, hustlers, or the hustle, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been some mistakes, but let me tell you, there have also been great triumphs. We have The Princess Diaries, we have Ella Enchanted, we have uh, The Dark Knight Rises, Freaking Lame all incredible movies. Well, I'm getting there because, number three, no one can make me cry like Anne Hathaway. Mm. We've got this movie. We've got Les Mis, And we've got One Day. Mm. One Day is a oh. movie that will oh. get you. Devastating. You will cry so hard. Lori, you should never watch it. It will break you. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I won't. I refuse. It's so good. Um, yeah, I'm a big big Anne Hathaway stand, And when I found out people didn't like her, I was very perplexed. Anyways, I love her. I thought she was like the most perfect Jane Austen. Just the way that she looks is so fitting to me. I thought she did a really good job of playing her. And did I feel a little bit like I was watching her character from Princess Diaries? Yes, I did. But I still loved it and I really loved the story of Jane. I'm just trying to ignore in my mind that it's not probably that much of real life. I don't actually know. I'm putting that aside for now and just committing to loving Anne and loving this performance.
0: I really do just feel so similar to you, Beth, which I feel like came out in what I was saying earlier. But if I'm being fair and honest, I will say that the, the single place where I felt like Anne fell a little short, a little, was in her accent was not the mm. best British accent, especially because I know that she could have done better because in Le Mis, her accent is, well, she's supposed to be French, but her British accent <laughs> is better than it was in this movie.
1: I think uh, an accent can be hard for some people.
0: To be fair, all of the Le Mis actors pretended to do French accents, though. So. <laughs> I mean, British All of the lamest actors pretended to do British accents.
1: I loved this portrayal of Jane. I felt more of her wit. I liked this younger version more than what we saw last week. Mm -hmm. And I think this movie kind of sets you up to see how her personality might have changed a little bit into that movie. But even at the end, I feel like we saw a different jane than what we saw last week i loved her
0: i also felt like this version of jane balanced really well the practical with the flirty because she was known to be kind of like a flirty upbeat person and i liked the balance that they had here
1: yeah and funny funny little note that i wrote down um that her cousin says which her cousin in real life was also one of her best friends (laughs) and Cousin in the film says, flirting is a women's trait and it must be exercised well or like, or it must be practiced or something. um But yeah, I definitely agree with you, Julia, that this Jane felt much more balanced. She was flirty and witty in the right amounts while also like, you can feel the pain of her practicality while it not being overbearing. Like, you can see the devastation when she realizes, mm-hmm neither of us are going to be happy in the end. And you can kind of see in the back of her head, her, or at least I did, her thinking about her mother and this fight she had with her mom early on of like poverty just like crushing you and killing you and like ruining love that awkwardly her father overhears. And it's like this really painful moment where you realize like her mom, it's questionable if he, if she loves her father anymore, it's it's crushing. This whole movie is because she's kind like of we sad. made for love,
2: yeah, and it was great, but now I'm digging my own potatoes. It's so yeah. sad. Oh, <laughs> like that. So it is wonderful to marry for love, but if you're marrying for love and there's no money, it's going to be a really big challenge. And just to know that you saying that reminded me, Lori. There are just so many sexual references in this that I oh just gosh. did not see, or I don't remember all Mm -hmm. so i'm they must have just missed you know what what 14 years ago when i first watched (laughs) this i guess they just went over my head at that point same but it's very shocking
1: that moment in the library when he's reading that passage to her the bug porn and i was like yeah the bug porn (laughs) and it gets to the part where he doesn't finish the sentence and then she like says and or something you know to like make him keep talking and then and then he says while staring at her she gasped in ecstasy it was just like okay
0: also i just want to clarify for the people who haven't seen the movie when i say bug porn i literally mean bug porn there he's reading a book that jane recommended about the wilderness in their part of the country and it's describing insects yeah I just wanted to clarify it wasn't like I literally meant what I said.
1: And it's a historical book.
0: So let's talk about the perpetrator of that reading, Mr. Tom (laughs) Lafroy, who is played by James McAvoy, the Scottish legend. He plays Mr. Tumnus in the Chronicles of Narnia. He plays the guy in X-Men who has the mind powers
2: the guy dr x (laughs) sorry
0: he plays that guy in split
2: i'm sorry (laughs) that guy in any of his his character's (laughs) names that's okay i feel like he he speaks for himself if if you don't know him as mr tumness then honestly like you, you, you might
0: not know him he plays Dennis in Split which is just a terrifying movie that I watched by myself when I was in London one time just don't don't do Why? that I don't know I don't know anyway James McAvoy plays our Tom Lefroy, who he is Jane's love interest in the film he's shown to be a little bit of a rapscallion from the way this film portrays him the movie basically starts with him boxing at a what I assume is a brothel And he's good friends with Jane's brother, Henry. Um, His uncle, the lawyer, sends him to the country as a punishment because he's been late to his law lessons one too many times. And as we mentioned, Tom gives off kind of a snooty impression. He thinks the country's beneath him. Very Darcy-esque. And that just really rubs Jane the wrong way until he calls her out by saying that he can tell... Yeah, I don't love the country, but you think you're better than everyone here too. And that's when he really gets her. It was it was very Darcy and Elizabeth. Um so as we've mentioned, Tom Lefroy tries to educate Jane a bit on the ways of the world and they have their little flirty relationship. He commits to trying to get Jane uh, to please her uncle so they can get married. Eventually, he comes back and wants to marry Jane despite his uncle's disapproval. They try to run off together and elope, and eventually, he marries someone else and has a daughter that he names Jane. So, what did you guys think of James
2: McAvoy's p- portrayal of Tom? James McAvoy did a really good job. He was so great as his character. Mm. Such the like perfect like bad boy mm-hmm.
1: oh, but yes.
2: good guy kind of vibe. Um, Julia, I think you really did him a disservice though because the movies that you see just were not, <laughs> they weren't correct. <laughs> I think the, more people might know him as um, Gnomeo in Sherlock Gnome. <laughs> Or potentially the UPS guy in the Muppets movie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but but really like I feel like his most famous role is actually like he was the main character in Atonement, which is
1: Yeah. A oh. Super
2: okay. famous film that also stars our girl, Kira Knightley.
0: His acting experience just like really runs the gamut. He's done literally everything.
2: Yes, one hundred percent. Anyways, really like him. Think he did a good job. On that note, I also feel like we should warn the audience that there are male butts briefly in this movie as well. (laughs) That was such a big deal when I watched this movie out of nowhere. When I watched this movie, when I was like, I don't know, fourteen years ago, whenever that was, I remember my mom was like, "There's nudity in this film. Are you going to be able
1: to watch it?" And that scene came on, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's I'm pretty sure (laughs) that's why it was rated PG, Mm -hmm. is because there's." butts. Yep. And I was deeply concerned for a brief moment that um, they were going to turn around j- while jumping in the water. Oh. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, looking away from the screen.
2: Yeah, that part was weird. But I guess it was just like, to, again, the sexual awakening part. Mm-hmm. Like, that, I feel like it just solidified that for Dane. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Anyways, I've said a lot about Tom. <laughs> Lori, what did you think?
1: I loved him okay it was definitely very bad boy you got him boxing in a brothel to open up this movie oh, that's which so true i forgot about that is a wildly reminiscent of the robert downey jr sherlock movie oh. <laughs> where sherlock's boxing um that just like came to me love that film also highly recommend um but loved his acting Um, obviously I think, uh, our best author and historian here is going to educate us a little more maybe on his life in a second, but I felt he was a really great character. You could see his personality, not change, but evolve throughout the film. And I thought it was very well, I thought it was very clear that he definitely liked Jane and then loved Jane and then was desperate to marry Jane to the point of he kind of loses his familial priorities. Yeah. At a certain point. And he's like, I don't care. I will marry you. And Jane kind of has to be that one with, you know, the practicality to kind of knock him out of it and be like, You you have a lot of siblings and a mother that depend solely on you.
2: Yes, I agree with you. I totally bought into this love story. I'm not prepared for this, but Julia, tear it apart. Okay, so
0: there was a Tom LaFroy, we mentioned this in the last episode. There was a Tom LeFroy that Jane met right before she wrote First Impressions, aka Pride and Prejudice. Tom Lefroy was studying to be a lawyer under his uncle. He did have a big family that depended on upon him. But the key difference and y'all i read this article that really made me upset it was saying that jane was basically super flirtatious and that tom didn't like her and that the woman that he eventually went to marry he was playing on marrying the whole time and jane was just throwing herself at him and i did not agree with that assessment no. for quite a few reasons now Jane does mention Tom in her letters to Cassandra. She talks about how they flirted, they danced at a ball. They in reality only spent about two to three months together before Tom had to leave and be removed from his family, the, Ref- the Lafroys in the country. And a lot of times, sometimes she is, you know, kind of being ironic and writing in a way that's common of love stories at the time. But the biggest reason that this article had for saying that Tom didn't like Jane was because in a memoir that su- a descendant of Tom Lefroy wrote, he was described as a super upstanding citizen and very moral and a super good student. And I was like, well, of course, his descendants are not going to describe him that way. But <laughs> we also know from his grandson, I believe, that he said he did love Jane Austen but it was in a boyish way. So he did confirmed love her. Also, this author is using all of this, oh, he knew the woman he was going to marry. They, they don't have any fact to prove that. So I don't believe that. So they did know each other. Tom did love her. And we do know that he was later removed from Jane's presence, but we don't totally know why. We also know that Jane did go and stay with Tom's uncle We don't necessarily have evidence that Tom was there, but a bunch of Jane's letters were burned during the time that she would have been staying at Tom's uncle's house by Cassandra. And did you guys know that Cassandra burned over two-thirds of the letters that Jane wrote? So we're just missing a lot of information.
1: It's so sad, especially as somebody who loves history like I am. Letters are one of the he places we see a lot of real historical accuracy because why would, why would you lie in a letter? You don't know what's going to happen in a thousand years, you know? Um, so all of those bits and pieces of Jane's personal life and how she felt and the events that went on, like, we might never know.
0: One thing we do know too, though, was that Tom LaFroy and Jane both read the Tom Jones novel. And Tom LaFroy was very influenced by the Tom Jones novel and even apparently wore clothes that were inspired by that novel. And I did some research and that novel was very scandalous for the time because the main character was just off having relations with all kinds of women, including prostitutes. So for the time, it was very scandalous. So to me, that also debunks that article that I was reading because a very upstanding young gentleman would not be recommending that to young women and would not be inspired by that novel so it's true that they both read that book and i thought that was really interesting and cool that they added that in so the jane and lafroy romance i do believe was based in reality but the running away together we don't know that that was true we do know that he did have a daughter named jane but that was also his wife's mother's name so we don't know that it was necessarily related to jane austen
1: sad yeah Might have been a happy accident.
0: Yeah. I think I'm going to continue to buy in to the love. Me too. I choose to. Especially because Jane paused her writing for quite a long while. She had written, I believe, Lady Susan and bits and pieces of Sense and Sensibility. She paused her writing for quite a few years. And then immediately, almost immediately after her romance with Tom is when she began writing Pride and Prejudice. So Mm. I feel like the fact that she was able to write her first real romance novel shows that she was feeling something real, you know, a couple of other things that I just wanted to note very quickly was that there's a romance that happens between Henry and the French cousin, Eliza. That did happen in reality. Eliza was a countess whose husband was killed by la Madame Guillotine, and she did wind up marrying Henry. Now, she is there at the end of the movie, and his wife actually died, uh, so she wouldn't have lived that long. And honestly, Jane looked way older than the age that she lived to in that scene as well. Another thing is Cassandra and her fiancé. That was a true story, which I thought was devastating. She did have a fiancé. Some other interesting tidbits. Whistly, as we mentioned, there was a a Mr. Briggs who proposed to her, who was rich. She accepted and then rejected his proposal. So that was based in some truth. She had known uh, in reality, she had known this man growing up for a while. That's how it was portrayed in the movie. Uh, The third gentleman that proposed to her, who was in the clergy... He was based on a real person, but we don't have any evidence that he ever actually proposed to Jane. So the romance Mm -hmm. there was fictionalized from what I know. Also in the movie, Jane has a brother named George who is deaf, who doesn't live with the family. And that is inspired by something that was true. They did have a brother named George who didn't live with the family. And we know that he had epilepsy and possibly some other disabilities, but we don't necessarily know that he was deaf.
2: Yeah, I was really interested to see and to know if he was a real character or not. I didn't even realize, I didn't pick up on the fact in the movie that he was their brother. The last historical
0: detail that I wanted to mention was, we talked about in Miss Austen Regrets how everybody knows Jane Austen as a writer. And in this movie, they portray Mm it much more accurately. Uh, Jane's in public and nobody really knows who she is and Henry protects her privacy, but... When Tom LaFroy and his daughter ask Jane for a reading, she acquiesces to a private audience. And I learned that Henry Austin, Jane's brother, did frequently mention that she was an author in his private elite circles, which actually elevated her status as an author and helped her gain some recognition.
1: Way to go, big bro. Okay. So we've talked about how beautiful this freaking film is and how great it sounds, the characters, this epic love story that ends in sadness. Um. So what are y'all's make it or break it's? Well, I'm gonna choose a really
2: small make it because I feel like I have already fully mentioned how much I love this film and how I love the actors and just really liked everything about it. So here's my super small make it and it is that this is so funny, and Julia, maybe you can tell me if this is real or not. But um, I just loved that Jane, when she was writing her letters, was so picky about the word choice, and she kept playing around with scissors, and then she would cut out the words that she didn't like or the sentences that <laughs> she didn't like. <laughs> oh, I thought that was amazing. Um, I don't, I don't even know what my break it is. I really, really liked it. I don't know. It just makes me sad. It makes me sad a lot. There's the story and real life things just can be sad like that. Mm -hmm. Truly. I just really loved it. I think that my make
0: it just has to be the chemistry between James McAvoy and Anne Hathaway. I felt like Tom and Jane Mm. just especially towards the second half of the film and during their confession of love oh gosh there's a scene where Tom is flirting with Jane during a dance that's like (laughs) so good and I loved that and I love the parallels between Elizabeth and Darcy so I think just Tom and Jane's chemistry was amazing I think my break it was I have a little one and a big one the little one was just that Anne Hathaway's accent did take me out of it a little bit, just because it was not great. And I love Anne Hathaway. She did an amazing job. And I would still watch the movie over and over. So it wasn't that big of a deal. But the other one is, Beth, just like you mentioned, the big part of the reason that I was weeping was just, you know, I know marriage is not a requirement for happiness. But it just, it makes me so sad to think about Jane writing these Just beautiful love stories that just bring so much happiness. And just knowing that she never really, you know, got that for herself. Just like, huh.
1: So for my break it I have two-ish. So one is small. It's, you know, this movie makes me so sad. Reality is sad. Beth iterated that. It makes me sad. Um, I appreciate that they kept it true because it's supposed to be true. But you know, the other little thing was how bad the age-up makeup is at the very end. Oh my gosh, I forgot it about is that. hilariously bad. Like her brother looks like. They went into a costume shop and just like bought a five dollar mustache and sideburns and slapped. And it's crazy. Like
0: everything in this movie looks so good, and like I felt like they did a pretty good job of making the women look super great, but not looking like they were too made up. And I was
2: like, what? What is this? It was so weird. They all looked so strange. Except for the cousin Eliza just looked the same Mm -hmm. as she
1: did in the rest of the movie. (laughs) I also didn't understand because Jane's supposed to be 40. Like, she doesn't need to look that old. And she, I mean, all they did was give her more hair almost and put it in a way that, like, made her look kind of old. And then made the very first few strands kind of gray. Yeah, And then, like, aged up her makeup a bit. They're like, okay, your hair's coarse now. There, we're good. It was it was so weird, uh, but my make it was just the cinematography and the music mm-hmm. in this film mm-hmm. were amazing. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, like truly, it was it's a beautiful film to watch.
0: I feel like we had just gorgeous movies for all the adaptations that we've done so far. You know, like so many pretty Emmas, but the twenty twenty. I'm gonna shout out the ninety mm-hmm. five sense and sensibility and for Austin adjacent I feel like this one was like our really beautiful yeah. one
1: you know mm-hmm. well lori who would you date from this adaptation so i actually so i finished the film funny story uh, and i jumped on wikipedia and reread the synopsis of this film just to make sure i understood before making my decision <laughs> and then i promptly stared at my computer screen for 10 minutes Debating internally with myself. Huh. Like there was some like heated debate going on inside my head about like what I was actually gonna choose, but in a shocking shocking turn of events. Um, I think I would date Mr. whistley <gasps> Whoa. What? Yeah. I love that she calls was...
2: him a boob. is that what <laughs> a she calls? A booby a, a booby.
1: Boob. Yeah, that's what her dad calls him. Yeah. Which, like, okay. I was debating between Tom, Henry, and him. Mm -hmm. Like, the entire time. That's, like, the three guys going back in my head. I was like, okay, okay, okay. But the thing with Tom and Henry are they're both rapscallions. Right. (laughs) And I'm thinking of just, just using what I know from the film. I was trying not to add any information from outside to like influence myself. And you know what? Mr. Whistley really tried to appease Jane Uh and court her. He said he hated balls and he went to a ball Mm -hmm. and proceeded to embarrass himself by stepping on her foot. But, you know, he
0: tried. I feel like he was just kind and understanding and patient and, like, yeah, I made fun of him because he's he's a little bit of a wet blanket. But he's kind and understanding and smart. And also, he's, like, very progressive for the time period. Like, he's supporting Jane oh, yeah. writing for a career.
2: Yeah, he totally redeemed himself by the end of the movie. There's a scene that we didn't talk about where he kind of unites with Jane at the end. And his um, his aunt is like, no, we refuse this family because of your scandalous runaway.
1: And he's
2: like, I don't like Jane. Let's go chat about how you're an author and you're going to make money for yourself. So that part was very cool. What a rad guy. I think that's a good choice, Lori.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Well, Lori, you told us about your man. Tell us about your drink. Well, it's gone. Uh, I can tell you that. It's very good. This These little like mini bottles of champagne are perfect if, um, you know, you don't want, you're bubbly to go flat and you need a little tiny celebration Mm -hmm. and they're not too expensive. So truly, truly would recommend. What about you, Jules?
0: I really liked my Berry's Gold tea. It was a really good kind of, I felt like pretty complex black tea. So I enjoyed it. What about you, Beth?
2: My black tea was also delicious. It was really good. This is just a, a classic favorite of mine, the Earl Grey Supreme. I really liked it and I finished it too quickly i could have gone for another mug Alrighty, friends well we really enjoyed this season of austin adjacent it's really fun to like you know as much as i love talking about the books and stuff it's been fun to kind of look at this all from a different perspective and see what some influences were and all of that and um, with the jane films and then with the like jane Austen book club and austin land films and um, those were so much fun and today's discussion was especially great. It was so nice to talk about a movie that we all enjoyed so much. If you want to know more about our thoughts, or if you want to suggest a, a tea or other beverage for us to try, you should go follow us on Instagram. We are at Sips and Sensibility Pod. Or you can like us on Facebook. We are Sips and Sensibility. Also, feel free to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and write us a great review. We would really appreciate
1: that, y'all. It has been an amazing season. It's been kind of refreshing, I'm not going to lie, like taking a step back from our, you know, source material to uh, watch some Jane adjacent films. I know I enjoyed it. It was a nice kind of like summer break breather before hopping back into what we're doing next which i don't know should i give them a slight hint i think a slight hint is appropriate a slight hint okay hmm um there's romance and tea involved (laughs) perfect so um until you see an announcement on insta or a trailer or something pop up that's all you're gonna have for now let us know what you think we're going to do next and stay tuned until we let you know when we're coming back. So, until next time, keep on sipping, y'all.